Coming up on the Dopos podcast, I talk fantasy basketball with my two friends, Ethan and Nathan. We've been playing since our high school days, so our league's about four years old. It's uh, been mainly a small league. This year we have eight teams with a small cash prize. $25 to the winner, 10 for second place, 5 for third place. I, I told my friends I wanted to keep like a journal or a diary of our fantasy season this year. Um, gonna do it over podcast. Maybe I'll try and write something up. Maybe writing's kind of hard. Um, podcasting is a lot easier though. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, in this episode, we go over our picks and then, uh, we talk about each other's teams. We explain our strengths and weaknesses, what we don't like about our teams, some regrets. And then the second half of the episode, we talk about the Lakers, um, we're, we're all Lakers fans, so we talk about how their season is going to go, in our opinion. We're talk about some some player ads that we, we didn't like this year. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the episode. Here it is. You're listening to the Dopos Podcast. Adam Doe here. Uh, along with my friends, Ethan Bang, Nathan Chan. We've been playing fantasy for years now, and uh, I wanted to do a podcast on our league. I'm pretty sure, so we're all the same same grade level, so I think you guys started playing either sophomore year or junior year, and then yeah. I, I kind of like, I kind of forced my way into the league. True or false? Yeah, true. Not really, not really forcing your way. We were looking for people. I remember, like, I was the one who brought up the idea with our friend group, 2014. So I'm not sure when that was, but yeah, I think I like second or third year. We're like, we need more people, and then you came up. So yeah, yeah. Because when we first played fantasy, it was just a way for like us friends to just you know talk basketball and watch the seasons out, you know, and like have something to do concerning basketball amongst like our friend group, and. I think it was maybe maybe six or eight people at first, but some people didn't feel like doing it, or some people were on the fence. So like it was, we just uh, when we got more serious about it, as like we got older and we could like you know bet money in other leagues and stuff like that. Like we tried to find more people to join us and stuff. All right. So if twenty fourteen that if twenty fourteen was a start year, that was our junior year. So I must have joined senior year of high school. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Sounds about right. Okay, let's go uh, in order of draft then. Uh, Ethan, who was your first pick and why did you choose your uh, that pick? So it was a little obvious because the first pick took Luca. So my first pick with the second pick would be Harden. And there's a little concern with his, you know, his team trading, his commitment to like playing this year. But like, I think it's the most obvious choice. If Harden doesn't go first, he has to be second. Because he gives you the best fantasy production out of any player right now, I think. And he's pretty healthy for most of the year as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't have him that high up on my draft boards. I'd rather take AD over him if I were you. Dude, I don't think he's going to be committed if he stays on the Rockets. So he has to get a trade out if you want to get something out of him. Yeah, but like with, with Harden, like he gives you points, assists, you know, high three pointers made, and pretty decent field free throws. Like he takes a lot of free throws, so he he's pretty efficient in all the categories. He doesn't give you that many steals or blocks, but that's 
that's what you give up for Tank Harden. But he'll he'll drop like thirty points every night, almost every night with a high amount of threes. And in a nine category league, I think he offers that high value, and he can go off any given night. Same with AD. But the thing with AD is that he shares a lot of space with LeBron. LeBron has taken slightly like a backseat to AD, so AD stats, you know, go up. He gets more points and rebounds, but AD is definitely like, I'd say top three as also. So like if I didn't take, uh, if Harden and Luka were gone, I would definitely take AD next. I was drafting today in my second league and Harden was like, I think the fifth pick in a 12, 12 person league. And it's, it was my sports business club at UCI. Mm. Uh, so I guess we're, you know, generally on a good level of NBA knowledge, but I was just thinking like Harden, even if I had the first pick, I probably wouldn't have gone Harden because I feel like if they don't trade him, there's going to be a stretch in the season when he just like ditches games or he just like refuses to play. Um, if they do trade him, uh, let's say uh, out of like whatever team is available right now, I'm more, I was worried that like he wouldn't be the primary person anymore, you know? True. Yeah. I think that's the risk like you take with Harden. Like, especially this is such a drastic year to play fantasy in with COVID and restrictions and everything going on. Like it's, it's a risky pick, honestly, like a safer pick is definitely Luca and a safer pick would be AD. But I think if you're going for like a high risk, high reward, like you would definitely take Harden. And with the second pick, I, I felt like I was in a good spot to take it, especially for an eight man league. Cause my next pick was, I think, Kawhi, which is also a risky pick because Kawhi doesn't play as many minutes. And I end up taking Paul George as my third pick. And they were both on the Clippers and they both, you know, have stretches where they miss out a lot of games. But yeah. Wait, were you guys Kawhi- surprised Luca went first? A little bit because I thought in many other leagues that I drafted in, Harden usually was first and Luca went second. Yeah, I was surprised he went he went Luca first in our league. Yeah, another inappropriate team name that I'm not going to mention. We're just going to say the managers. Uh, I think that's our friend Alan, right? No, no, th- no that's Nate. Nate, yeah, Nathan. other Nathan, other Nathan yeah. Wu. Uh, he went Luca first. So just to uh, finish out round one here, Luca first pick, Harden, Davis, Giannis, Towns. I went with uh, Damian Lillard for the sixth pick, uh, Stephen Curry seventh pick, and then Nathan Chan uh, in the in this call, Kevin Durant eighth pick. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna explain Dame right now. I think as much as we're talking about Harden, if I had a higher pick, I probably would have tried for Harden too, just because he's he, he's probably been the best, either the best or second best fantasy player for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't get a higher pick, so I went with Lillard. I was, I, I, I thought I saw Curry. I I feel like they're not gonna like he's not gonna be motivated to play that hard this year just because of Clay Thompson being out. I saw Durant. I've had him before, and he's pretty reliable. But again, like Achilles injury, I don't think you you draft KD in the first round. Um. So Lillard, I felt like he had motivation to play hard this year. Um. Besides last year, he, he's not really an injury player. Uh, he scores just as many points as Harden, but he may not be as good with like uh, assists, basically. 
yeah. but you get threes, you get scoring, you get free throws, um, you get assists. So I thought I thought he was a solid pick. You, you yeah. don't think he's going to burn out after last uh, after this uh, tournament run? Um, I mean, they he got cut in the first round, so he he's had more more time for rest. I don't know the exact days, but I feel like he the Blazers got like their Not rest time is you barely or I don't know exact the exact number, but maybe similar to uh a regular season rest time off season, right? They 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 ended in like September, October, I think. Oh, well, yeah, I think playoffs started October, like late October, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, but I, I, I thought it was a good pick, uh, from what, what I had, uh, from the remaining players, LeBron James, I felt, I feel like he's going to take rest. He's going to rest. He's not going to play as hard. Definitely. Um, when the playoffs, like when, if there's no home team, he's not gonna, it's not, it's not super important for the Lakers to get the first, first seed. Yeah, definitely. There's no like distinct, uh, advantage to, being first seed anymore because of COVID restrictions, especially we saw that in the bubble. It's like it didn't matter as much and it made it tougher because there's no home court advantage. And also they're doing that eighth seed tournament play in so you're not even going to know who your opponent is after that play-in spot. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Nathan, you did decide to go Kevin Durant. Uh, uh, I, I bought into this hype on his preseason hype, scoring 25 and, you know, efficiently. I just thought, oh, I think he might be bad, especially in Steve Nash's offense. I think he has a good chance to be number one again. So, yeah, I picked him for – anyways, I had his back-to-back picks. I wasn't too worried about who I can go afterwards. It, right. wasn't, it wasn't such an easy choice to make, I mean. I, I saw his game. I, I, I saw, like, the, the, the classic mid-range jumper. It looked, it looked the same, I guess. But I, I, I'm really curious to, like, as to um, – how many times he goes uh, for a layup? Like goes the for rim. a drive? Yeah, yeah, to the rim. I remember like one of his first plays, like his first game back, he like blew past a defender, went for the dunk. Because I thought he looked pretty fine to me. I just think he just needs to manage his minutes, maybe take some games off. But I think he'd still be pretty efficient from a scoring fantasy scoring output. Yeah, yeah. Like KD will in fantasy will always give you an efficient like thirty a night, pretty much. So he's always a safe pick. Like like coming off an Achilles injury for a seven footer is never like the best look. Uh, Kitty, right now from all the preseason games I've seen and what my friends have like seen as well, he looks a little bit slower on his first step. Like, he definitely looks like he struggles to get past like bigger people and like longer defenders. But you're not gonna see a bunch of seven footers anyway on Katie. and Katie for the most part will have no problem shooting over most people anyway. So I feel like it's a pretty safe pick. But you just have to be concerned about his minutes. Like, how much is he going to play? Yeah, I think, I think I, like, covered him up with, like, all my draft picks afterwards, all my forwards I selected in later rounds. So I feel confident if he does get injured, I still got a backup plan if needed. I have a question for you guys. In my other league today, I, draw, I also drafted sixth. But because they, they, uh, the order is a little different, um, the my friend before me, he decided to go KD over Towns, and then he 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 asked me like why I I chose to do that. Am I is he stupid or am I stupid, guys? Be honest. I was thinking, why would you draft KD 
someone who just had an Achilles injury, hasn't played basketball for a year, why would you take him over Carl Anthony Towns? And then like Carl Anthony Towns, why was he the sixth pick? Like why did no one take why did no one else take him before? That's what Six. I want to know. Hmm. So I'm assuming the top five probably went like Harden, Luca, Davis, and then Giannis. I think then- I think it was the same. Pretty sure it was the same order as us. It's just that uh, he decided to go KD, and I I went Cat. All right. So it took KD fifth, and then you got Cat at six. The thing with that is, Cat has been such a monster in fantasy. Like high three point percentage, good amount of three pointers. His free throws could use work. Um, he'll give you high rebounds and like twenty five to thirty a night, pretty much. And he's pretty durable. He's only missed a few games like last season when he had his injury and he's never missed a game before that so he's really durable yeah but I think you're missing like the motivation factor after after all his tragedies like not to say it's not gonna take away from his output but I feel like it's gonna like there's no motivation coming out of him even from like the playoffs we've seen sure he can make you like a solid line but I don't think he's gonna do much after that like he's not gonna explode like take another leap forward in terms of fantasy output I feel like he's gonna get like a standard like what you said, twenty five fifteen, and that's pretty much it out of them. Yeah, but like in terms of a first round value, and he'll give you exactly what you need as a first round value for a center, and he adds, he has the added benefit of three pointers. Taking Katie at fifth is a risky play because you haven't, like Hideng said, you haven't seen Katie play in so long. He's been, you know, resting, and he hasn't, he doesn't have those NBA minutes in him anymore because he's been out for so long. So it's a risky play on top of coming out of his injury. So I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's it's definitely a risk that if you're willing to take, you have to draft your team to like compensate for KD if he has any anything in the future in the season coming up. But I would I would definitely take Cat like fifth. It's like you yeah. can't give up Cat like that. Um, moving on, let, let's pause on on how I think the first two picks. Well, let's just finish, uh, stop at round one. Uh, let's just talk about like our individual teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I went heavy guard, heavy on guards, heavy on shooters. Uh, I'm great for three pointers, free throws, points, assists, bad on rebounds, black blocks and TOs. Um, what, what do you guys think of my team? Yeah, you have a lot of guards and forwards and they're all, they all have a lot of upside. The Michael Porter pick is a little early. Yeah, for round yeah. six, but like you know, because he has he's playing on Denver with uh, Jamal and Jokic, so it's he has a lot of upside, but it's also risky to see like how many minutes he's gonna get compared to those two because those two played so well in playoffs, and Porter Jr. is a monster, like guaranteed, like he'll definitely in the future be such like a one of their big three and like contribute a lot, like All Star and stuff like that, but. Yeah, it depends on when you'll see see it happen in the upcoming seasons. Hey, so, can you can you explain to me why you picked Hassan Whiteside in round seven? Okay, uh, I think that was when I may have panicked a little bit about like going too heavy on guards, mm. and I was thinking like like if I don't do something about a uh, power forward or center in round seven, it would just get worse and worse for me as I kept going on. But I know that. Whiteside, the thing with Whiteside is we don't know if he's going to start or not for the Kings. And 
you know, he he he's he can get you points, he can get you rebounds and blocks. Um, I just didn't. I, I know that uh, we might we might not see that from him again this year. Uh, I just wanted to like um, stop the 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 bleeding or prevent the bleeding from happening with by not having like a um, some level of solid center. But yeah. you don't, you don't, you think he's better than like the other options that went afterwards? Like I feel like he's fine, but as a round six pick, it's a bit too high for him. Round Even six, if he wasn't or, uh, starting or not. Yeah. All right. So I'll just I'll just read out my team up to round seven then. So I went. I'll just do rounds. Uh, <laughs> Dame in round one, sixth pick. Booker round two, third pick. Jamal Murray, round three, sixth pick. Um, Brandon Ingram, round four, third pick. Round five, Drew Holiday, sixth pick. Round six, Michael Porter Jr., which I that's like one of my regrets, I think. I, I think I made a mistake there. And then Hassan Whiteside, round seven. So after drafting Lillard, and I got to round two, I was just thinking like what position I should go for or I should, should I go for like a, a player that I thought would give me a lot of uh, value and also not be injury prone or, or taking breast. So that's why I went with Booker in the second round. Um, then I saw Jamal Murray and I, I, I just thought to myself like playoff performance um, franchise, another franchise point guard, um, so that's why I went with them. I went. I, I decided to just go with the, the the guard strategy of just like stacking up on guards who can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, Ingram, I I loved his last season. I feel like he can do it again, especially if Zion is playing with him. A- another person he can dish out an assist to. Drew Holiday. I again. I just thought. I just thought like another star point guard for the Bucks, where he's he's going to be working with Middleton and Giannis. Okay, Michael Porter Jr. Again, I, I was just thinking of his shooting in the playoffs. I like it. And I, I thought, I was thinking like he might start for Denver, but I, I just wasn't sure. Now, now that I look back on it, I'm just not sure if he's going to start or Will Barton's going to start or Gary Harris is going to start. So I regret that. But wait, who was the starter last, last year? It was like Jer- Jeremiah Grant, right? I think I think Michael Porter Jr. has a chance to start this year because I think they prefer Will Barton and Gary Harris off the bench for what I remember from last season. Yeah, uh, I think his name is Jeremiah. His last name is definitely Grant. They yeah. lost him to Detroit, so another reason why I thought Porter Jr. had a had a chance to start. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I thought that pick was fine. I just I was just really like considering like what are you thinking round seven Hassan Whiteside when I saw like there's other better options at least in my opinion. At that point, so yeah, yeah, I, you know, Boris, he was the the Predators. He took Sabonis after my Porter Junior pick, so I was talking trades with Boris afterwards, and I realized like if I just skipped out on Porter Junior, I could have gotten Sabonis, who mm-hmm. is probably a more reliable starter for this season. Definitely, he gets. Uh, I've had him in different teams too, and he'll always give you points and rebounds, and he's pretty efficient for the most part. Yeah, um, I'm just gonna finish out my my uh, my team roster. Uh, so I saw Whiteside in the seventh, and then surprisingly Jonas Valanciunas uh, was available. 
So I, I saw that and I was like, okay, another person to plug up my, my center power forward uh, hole. Dennis Schroeder, uh, again, I, I'm, I'm, I love the starting point guard strategy. That's what I went with. Schroeder, starting point guard for the Lakers. He's probably going to be scoring when LeBron, AD are, are out. Um, then I went Clint Capella. Again, I know, like, I regretted the pick. I even said so in the chat. I regretted the pick immediately, but I needed to fill up my the my uh, my blind spots. Duncan Robinson, great shooter. Terry Rozier, another starting point guard, and then Kevin Love, Cavs, point power forward center. Yeah, I think your team is pretty well balanced now. My just that's just on white side pick, but that, like like I said, just for me. Yeah, you 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 have a lot of guard heavy picks, but a lot of the guards get a lot of minutes anyway. And like for Terry Rozier, he's a starter. Then Schroeder is gonna definitely tear up like second stringers when he plays on LA. So wait, you, you don't know. think he, you don't think he's gonna start for no, us? He's starting, but he's gonna be along the second string a lot too, definitely to tear up like teams and stuff like that. He's wait, he's who, really who are you good. About? Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah. So I definitely, I think in past drafts of ours, I would sometimes pick like a bench person, even though our, our league is so small. Hmm. So I'm glad most of our, most of my players this year are starters with, uh, starting minutes. Yeah. I think that goes with like, um, smaller leagues versus bigger leagues. For smaller leagues, you draft like, top heavy like star players that can carry you because you're going to get like good players because it's it's a smaller league and you won't reach into the like the abyss of like bench fringe NBA players that you have on like 14 man 13 man or 14 12 man leagues like in 14 man leagues like you draft like your star players and they'll carry you on a given night but the biggest like sleeper picks are like towards the bottom and middle where it, there's not a lot of like room to pick with and there's not a lot of like star power there. It's just you have to pick like bench players that'll give you production in those like heavily heavily like starter leagues. I was surprised to see in this league, in our league and the my other league today, that Rozier was picked pretty late. I feel like Lamella Balls is gonna be playing off the bench and it's just gonna be Rozier, Graham, and Gordon Hayward playing for like starting for the Hornets. Um, but Hayward's probably going to be out for the, a couple of days at least. So, yeah, fractured finger. Isn't Rozier only like good for like three pointers and scoring? Basically, I don't think he does much else afterwards, right? They're relying on him to be there for when LeBron is out, because the problem last year for the Lakers is oh, when no, LeBron no, is Terry out. Rozier. Oh, Terry Rozier. I think he's a solid like point guard. You know. Scoring, a um, couple rebounds, couple assists, three pointers, free throws. Because I remember yeah. Devontae Graham. I had him last year. He had like he was mostly three pointers and assists. Because I don't remember Terry Rozier doing much more than just scoring by himself. Yeah, I think uh, Graham gives you more assists, but Terry will give you more points. Also, Terry uh, is a little. I don't know. They, they they both averaged like around the low forties, I think. Or Graham was even lower. Ethan, uh, <laughs> strengths and weaknesses of your team. Let's do uh, finish out your roster, Ethan, and then uh, strengths and weaknesses. All right. So I had second pick. I took James Harden. 
So second round, I took Kawhi. Third round, I took PG. Fourth round, I took Kyrie. Fifth round, I took Rudy Gobert. Sixth round, I took Jalen Brown. Seventh round, I took DeMar DeRozan. Eighth round, Wendell Carter Jr. Ninth round, Porzingis. Tenth round, uh, Bohan Bogdanovich. And I think that's the Jazz one. Yeah. Because that one always confuses me. Eleventh round, I took Norman Powell. Twelfth round, I took P.J. Washington. And thirteenth round, I took DeMarcus Cousins. So I think my roster is pretty uh, forward-centered. Uh, I have Rudy Gobert to fill in as like my strong center with blocks. He's there just for blocks and rebounds, of course. Uh, Wendell Carr Jr. is like a sleeper pick. Kristaps Porzingis, ninth round, he's injured, but if he does well and he's healthy with Luka, like he can definitely tear up a season. Uh, Norman Powell is a sleeper pick from Toronto. I think he's going to do super well. P.J. Washington is going to do super well on Charlotte, so I think it's, he's also like a pretty sleeper pick. And I took Book. Boogie like last because um, he's playing on Houston with John Wall and Harden and he's definitely going to be playing under Christian Wood. Christian was definitely going to be playing first. I wish I got Christian Wood <laughs> in this league but someone else has him so I think Boogie as like the last 13th round pick for this league is pretty good because I think he'll give you production. He can pass. He can shoot. He can... Uh, Rebound, play, and he'll 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 do pretty effective on Houston, I think. And I have like a really star-studded top lineup, despite the fact that I have players that could probably sit out a lot. But they're pretty if they're playing, and they're available, they'll definitely like carry my team. Yeah, For, you, got, you got plenty of forwards. That's like pretty name brand. Yeah, DeRozan is interesting. I guess I, I didn't like him just because he doesn't shoot threes, but then he gives you a couple rebounds, a couple assists, five and five. Um, and then I think, I, you know, he's pretty healthy. So I think last year good. he had, like, the best shooting percentage of anyone, like, in fantasy or something like that. Like, either his field goal or his, like, yeah. shooting uh, free throws. He is, like, pretty pretty legit when it comes to his percentages. Yeah, so with DeMar DeRozan, I could have took, McCollum, but I already had Harden, Kyrie, and I had like you know Kawhi shooting guard small forward, Jalen Brown shooting guard small forward, so I could have took McCollum or anyone else around that area, Buddy Hield. But I went with Demar Derozan because he's like you guys said, he's pretty efficient from field goal. He doesn't shoot threes, which is like a big loss. But I have uh, lots of players that are like willing to shoot threes on my team already, so like that's not a, the biggest issue for me. So, like, he has good field goal. He he has decent um, assists and rebound numbers. And he'll he's pretty healthy, too, for the most of the year. He'll, like, he'll play most games and he'll play his heart out. So I thought, like, DeMar DeRozan would be a better fit for my team than CJ. Does it worry you that Kristaps' legs are oh, yes. terrible? Yeah, so I, with all my other fantasy teams that got Porzingis, um, th- the main issue that we thought of Porzingis is that like for a seven footer to have so many reoccurring knee injuries it's for like for back to back seasons like he's always having some some injury regarding his legs like it's it's really terrifying to pick him in fantasy but like I said like if if he's healthy with Luca he can definitely like tear up a season like he'll they give you efficient like 20 to like 10 like he'll give you rebounds and points 
his assist numbers probably aren't there, but that's because Luca's doing most of the ball handling and passing anyway. But like he, Porzingis could definitely pop off every night, and he shoots a bunch of threes too. So I think it was like a risky pick, but like I like to take risk in fantasy. Like if they pay out, they do. If they don't, then it's whatever for me. You know what you just said, Ethan, makes me think we should up the the, the money fee next year. <laughs> Some people would take less risk. I think it'd be famous acting. Oh, why, don't we, why don't we just raise the price right now? Oh, but I think that's just me as a person uh, and picking. Like, I just like to take risk for fantasy. Like, I've always just taken, like, risky picks to see how they pan out. Like, taking Kawhi, you know, like, he's going to definitely set out minutes. Taking uh, PG, he's definitely going to rest a couple, you know, a couple games during the season. Same with Kyrie. You know, you don't know how things are going to go with, like, him getting fined in Brooklyn, like him not talking to the media, like if he and Katie are gonna end up, you know, arguing and stuff like that. It's so like if his, like, uh, oh. if his if his sage won't like will work or not. <laughs> no one yeah, knows. Like, like if his knees are gonna be fine, like like he's a mixed bag and and I like but he you have to take like that's the thing with drafting for fantasy too. It's like do you draft right now at this current round based on what your team needs or who's the best player available? And you can fall into either trap of where you draft for what your team needs, but like you just your team just can't stand up to the star power, or you draft only star power, and you punt out like certain stats, and you just lose that category for the week. Question about Bojan Bogdanovic: I didn't know is he a starter level player, or is he going to come off the bench for Utah? Because I saw his numbers and I thought they they looked pretty good. I think he's uh, starting, and Joe Ingles is off to the bench. I think that's what they did last year. So, yeah. So I think he's a starter. Uh, he gives you pretty solid production uh, for his numbers, and I think Joe Ingles starts. And Jingles is kind of old already, and he's really good at shooting threes. So I don't think he'll see like more play time compared to Bogdanovich. I don't know much about Wendell Carter Jr. Um, yeah, yeah, is he even starting? Or is Laurie Markinen starting over him? Okay, so with the Bulls, they have a new coach. Uh, if I remember right, Billy Donovan, right? Yeah. And uh, I think his system of offense would be better for Wendell. He's, so Wendell's a center. Laurie's a forward center. Laurie Markinen usually plays like um, – not center, he usually plays forward, like the four most of the time. And he's a four that can shoot threes. But under their last coach, um, the Bulls had, like, a terrible system. Like, their their star players and their players that were off, like, doing well would just get benched right away. Like, they wouldn't be producing. Like, Zach Levine, you know, was, like, their best player, like, by far and ahead of away by, like, everyone else. Um, but the Bulls have, like, a really s- strong roster right now, I think, with a lot of players that could definitely step up. I think for Wendell Carter, he's, I think he's definitely starting as their center. And um, I think he get he's he's a mixed bag, so he gives you a lot of production everywhere. He's and I think he could have like a breakout season this year, so that's why I took him. Yeah, I feel like Laurie Markkinen might have a better like a bigger impact compared to Wendell Carter, but I think that's just because he has that three point ability. Yeah, so with Laurie Markkinen, I've taken him in other leagues before, but his question is also like injury. Like he's always got he's gotten injured. Uh, I think almost every season, and he's been out for like months so like extended periods of times where he just doesn't play for you and he's just stuck in your injury reserve so like that's right. that's a big risk I've always seen with Laurie Markkinen but he's a good pick though if you can get him Nathan on to you 
So you, you were the last pick for our, our draft. Did you have any like special strategies you were you were thinking of being the last pick? No, to me, I just thought. To me, I have plenty of time to look over like who I wanted. Though, though mm-hmm. I got plenty of picks stolen from me, so that made things a bit difficult. Uh, for my roster, my first round, I picked Kevin Durant. Second round, I got Jason Tatum. Third round, I got John Collins. Fourth round, I got Chai Gillis Alexander, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, fifth round, Christian Wood. Sixth round, Davis Burton of Washington. Seventh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, the Atlanta, Atlanta free agent that they just signed. Eighth pick, I picked Jaron Jackson Jr. Ninth pick, Devontae Graham. 10th pick, Brandon Clark, 11th pick, 11th round, excuse me, Brooke Lopez. And 12th round, I picked Kemba Walker. And 13th round, my last pick, Joe Harris. So, yeah, to me, I picked too many forwards, not enough point guards. But yet again, every point guard I wanted got picked before I got there. So I'm looking for a trade for a point guard, you know, if anyone wants to trade. Anyone's interested in any of my players. Oh, yeah, you definitely need a point guard. You only have one point guard. I, I got available. two. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. One. Yeah. Kemba Walker's injured, so I only got. I technically got one. Yeah. I think you should look. You should definitely look waiver wire. See if there's any guards pick to pick up. Yeah, I was thinking Alex Caruso, or you know, Boris drop Leandro Ball or Lamelo Ball. So tempting. Yeah, that, that one's I'd look into. <laughs> I look into uh, Taylor Horn Tucker. I feel like he's gonna be. The sixth man for the Lakers this year. Take you don't think you don't minutes. think Alex Caruso is not going to get minutes over Taylor Horton Tucker? Because I feel like uh, if I was just doing daily fantasy draft, maybe I might like pick him up. But I think for like the longer run, I don't think he's going to be a viable option. What, what was the other player you mentioned over THT? I mean, if I was going to pick a point guard on the Lakers, wouldn't I pick Alex Caruso? He's definitely going to get more consistent minutes over Taylor Tucker. Taylor Horton Tucker, but. Caruso doesn't really score that much. And also, his value to the Lakers doesn't really show up on the box fantasy. score, which, yeah, yeah, so it wouldn't be yeah, relevant but, for fantasy. But you don't think, even just because it's been preseason games, you don't think he's been overhyped slightly about his scoring ability? Because I don't I'm think not, he's going to do much during the season as well, as long as he gets the minutes. I don't think he's going to score, I mean. Well, the thing with like THG is that he's, he's young too, he's 20. So he has like a lot of room for improvement, and like if the Lakers are willing to like, you know, shoot him out and just let him see things on like second second unit, like I, I think they would be down to do that. I was thinking that yes, he's probably overhyped for the preseason, but yeah. what he's shown is that he's a very good driver. He's a, like he can take it to the rim well. He can shoot. He can dish out assists. Um. If you guys saw the games or the highlights, like he would just drive and then dish out to someone shooting. Um, I feel like either him or Montrez would be the Lakers' sixth man. I don't really like Montrez's game. It's just like he just stays close to the basket, um, forces his way to um, to, uh, to to score. I was watching some Zion today, and I feel like Montrez is just like a maybe less talented version of Zion. Um, but more, just more experience. Like Zion can can do what Montrez can do at a slightly lower level, I think. Um, but Zion can also just like shoot the three. Yeah, Zion has that like peak t- 
top level athleticism that that brings him above like you know other players of his like similar skill set right now because most of the time Zion like takes it in and just brute forces his way in and that's like you know similar like players that we've seen like Julius Randle uh, and other other more stronger forwards like that Wait, so you think Montrezl Harrell wasn't a good pickup for the Lakers? We rather have kept Dwight Howard? Oh, no, Montrezl was definitely a good pickup for the Lakers. I don't know about that. All right, wait, just to finish off our THT, uh, I, I basically think THT is, would be a good uh, guard to pick up because I feel like they're going to start Dennis Schroeder and then Schroeder is just going to play into um, the second quarter when LeBron's resting. Yeah, and then he's probably going to be joined by Caruso, THT, um, Montrez, Markeef, in in some kind of order. But for fantasy purposes, I think THT would be the better backup guard for the Lakers. Well, I think that's like everything. The guy wait to see if there's any injuries or COVID might have taken over where someone else. I feel like I should like look for someone else other than THT because he's not like a hundred percent certain thing as a fantasy option. Yeah. So, there's definitely yeah. options you can look for. Since, since you, you guys mentioned the Lakers, let's talk Lakers then. So All right. I don't like how they, they lost, they lost their height in JaVale and Dwight. Um, I understand like why JaVale had to go. Dwight, I think was just impatient and panicked. And so he took the, the cheaper contract from uh, Philly instead. No, but, wasn't it the same? No, like, he, he, he got paid more. Minimum? Yeah, it was, no, I, it was a bet, but he got paid more. Wait, but wouldn't the veteran minimum be the same on the Lakers? No, no. I think it was 17 mil on wherever he signed, and it was like... So wait, 17? Lakers. Whoa, I don't whoa, remember, whoa. something like that. No, it was like 1.7, more like... Oh, it? yes. <laughs> no, he... So what happened with Dwight was... He got paid the minimum last year. Uh, th- since the Lakers had his non-bird rights, they could have given him a little more money. Uh, but they had to be careful because they're hard-capped. What happened was Dwight thought they had an agreement for him to come back, but then he was told, like, no, we're just we're still talking. Like, we don't... We, we have an... Ag- the Lakers... Um, or the probably just miscommunication. And, you know, both sides are just confused, but... When, when Dwight figured out, uh, he, he did the tweet that said he's going to come back to the Lakers, but then he was probably told by someone like, oh no, that's not true. You don't have a deal. He panicked and then he went to Philly instead for the veteran min- minimum. We could have done that for him and we could have even given him a little more in raises, but he just like panicked and he went to the Philly. So that's what happened. Yeah, I mixed yeah. up 17 with 1.7. Uh, my mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I thought the Lakers definitely need a center. Like, they still need a backup center at this point, but there's not many options right now, too. I enjoyed seeing, like, JaVale and Dwight, like, messing with Jokic in the playoffs. I feel like they took, like, all the, the, the hits or whatever that so that Davis could be protected. And then Davis could just do his thing while JaVale or Dwight could just, like, try to mess with Jokic and get him off his game which I think Dwight accomplished in the playoffs. So when I saw that they took Montrez and I, you know, everyone pretty much realized that Montrez is going to be our backup center, just like he was for the Clippers. Like 
yeah, he'll, he'll score for us off the bench, but what are we going to do with him in the playoffs? You know, unless Vogel's going to figure out something clever and, or just use him like in a different way that no one's thought of before. Yeah. Everyone's been saying like we traded defense for offense. So, but I think, I think AD has to be out on the floor more often this season just to cover up the like defensive tendencies from Marcus and Montrez. So unless they're going to play in more minutes, like, alongside either one of those two. I think that's, like, their plan going forward. Yeah. But I think I, I think definitely, like, the regular season isn't the biggest worry of the Lakers because I think bearing in injury and COVID, the Lakers are, like, the definite favorites so far for the next uh, championship, I would say. Yeah, but I think the West also got a lot stronger, too. Like, even more the last year because they also have that playing tournament so I feel like like even the eighth seed is going to be a tough matchup because they're really going to have some momentum going forward if we do get the run seed of course mm-hmm. I feel like Lakers are probably just going to go with a small ball lineup for their, their bench right Montrez is going to be center um, well we don't t- have any t- other centers right yeah unless Markeith Markeith can be a small ball center yeah but I think I think they were, yeah, they, the, the center position would be either Montrez or Marquise, depending on the situation. What do you guys think of uh, Kuzma's contract? We're going to go off Ethan's questions here. He was nice enough to make some. So um, my personal opinion is, uh, at first I thought he was overpaid, but I thought about it more, and I think it's a good contract because it's very tradable. Because I think I remember hearing or seeing that like he could opt out of his year or something like that. Or like some player, whatever contract, player yeah. option. Yeah. yeah, it was like yeah, a two plus option. one, something like. Yeah, that. there we go. So there's like a two plus one option for his, for his contract. So it it looks very tradable, for Kuzma. So I think that's good for the Lakers. Not sure if it's the best for Kuzma, depending on where he goes. I thought it was a fair uh, contract. Three years, forty million dollars extension, um, option on the third year. Mm-hmm. I feel like. So 40 divided by three, that's about 13. But he's probably getting like 12 to 13 um, next year, which isn't bad. It's very, it's it's like the same amount that, around the same amount that Danny Green had. And like, we, we were able to trade him for Sh- uh, Schroeder. I think it's a good look as well. Because the Lakers basically just, like, if you look back to 20, what, maybe 2017, like, I'm pretty sure everybody's gone except for Kuzma, right? Yeah, he's the last um, player. Yeah, so it lo- it looks good that they 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 uh, rewarded like their original drafted player with an extension, uh, a drafted player that like you know has no public controversy. I think he's a good shooter, uh, or solid shooter, capable for us. And uh, yeah, I feel good about the extension. Yeah, that yeah. extension was fine. It just after the AD and LeBron extension, it just think those were not going to get anyone like a big name through free agency for at least in, like this upcoming free agency class and next year. So we get to keep Fusma for like another two, two plus one. Then I feel like it's fine if we can't get anyone better, like name wise or skill wise even. So I felt like yeah, I mean I, even like if he does accept, we can always trade him in this last year. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not. I'm one of those. I'm of the majority of, or not, I'm of the people that aren't too high on Kuzma. I just want to know, like, your thoughts on Kuzma. Like, how high are you guys on him? Like, do you guys think he's like, you know, 
can carry the franchise or can be a, you know a, a, like one of the better third options for the Lakers. I think, I think he, I think like the Lakers, if they need to, they could start him, right? In in preseason, I know it's different, but he he scored like twenty three points. There was like a, a night or two where he he got a lot of three pointers. I think he, you know, a lot of people think he can play uh, shooting guard, small forward, power forward. So very flexible player, and. I think just like being okay with like coming off the bench and doing trying to do his best because I feel like coming off the bench isn't you know very uh, easy to do right like yeah. you got to get in your rhythm uh, when the game's already started um, but I feel like he, he he's like accepting of the system and he's not dramatic he's not um, doesn't create any drama or uh, problems for the team he. Like when he plays off ball, like he knows where to go to get like a LeBron or AD pass, get an easy layup or dunk. He can shoot um, the three. So I, I'm I'm pretty good with Kuzma. Not going to take him for fantasy, but you know I think he's a good good player for the the Lakers. Yeah, I was going to say like for me, it depends on the day really. Like, do I hate him or do I not hate him? Mm-hmm. It's always a matter of like how he does on the court if he does something like stupid or something like that not to say like everything is but like at some moment i'm just thinking like how how is he still on the team and then the other moments like okay yeah i can deal with this if he like continues to play this way but as like you can see during the preseason even when marcus all has like the bottom the top of the key you can see kuzma's like already more active like trying to find cutting angles and like i feel like he's a little bit more active on the offense whenever like marcus marcus has the ball that mm-hmm. like can go for cutting so i feel like he can improve it's just you just have to stay consistent at it. Yeah, I, I think um, the biggest thing is that he worked on his three-point and corner three-point shooting uh, this offseason. It was a short offseason, but uh, he had something to work on. And I think uh, with Marcus Saul on the floor, like it'll help you know kick out to him in the corner. And he's Kuzma's best trade, I think, is his uh, cutting. I think his cutting is like really really solid, and he finds like a lot of angles and looks from you know LeBron and Marcus Saul definitely help bring it out a little bit too. So I think he'll be a good contribution for the team. I agree with what you said, Nathan, about like how one one day you'll love Kuzma and one day you'll hate him though. Cause like during the playoffs, you know, he'll have like a decent solid game that you expect from him. He'll have like, I don't know, double digit points, couple rebounds, and he'll be shooting pretty efficiently. But then he'll have like a couple boneheaded plays. But I guess that comes with experience of being in the playoffs where he'll like I don't know if you guys saw it, but there's one one game where he attempted a three sixty layup and I just I flipped my yep. my stuff. Yep. Yeah, or like when what? he would like he would try to fake a three or try to oh. fake a three with like nobody nobody covering the, him. The pump fake. <laughs> the pump fake. The pump fake, yeah. And then he just he just hesitated and he, he just bricked the shot after. But yeah, I, I think he's a good player for the Lakers. Um the my one gripe with Kuzma is like all the fans that like overhyped him, you know, as being like the next top, you know, top player in the league eventually. Like, um, because from what me and a couple of my other friends like saw is that you know Kuzma was already entering the league at you know like 23 years old so not as raw as other players and younger players but like he has you know room for development but not as much like you know he already knows his game and he already is coming into the league with his game and you won't see like a drastic drastic like improvement or gap you know from him like that speaking of Marcus saw I 
I think he's his his gameplay right now is kind of hilarious. Like the, in the preseason games, he just stands at the top and then he just waits for people to just run into and like waits for a good angle, throws it to them, and like they get a layup pretty easily or even like a and one. But I definitely see him like he, he's not really jumping super high, and I, I understand. Like I feel like he's he could really really hurt himself if he jumps too high. <laughs> Do you see him miss that wide open layup? Have you seen it? Have I think you guys so. seen that clip? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I just feel like I, at this point, it might be only passing and three pointers at this point. I, I don't have much confidence after seeing that layup attempt. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the main thing the Lakers brought him on for was like uh, backup forward center. He could fill that position if he needs to. And he's a solid passer from high post. Uh, he has he's tall, so he has like a lot of angles you can see. And Lakers have a lot of cutters, Caruso, Kuzma, and like you know knockdown shooters from the corners and stuff like that. So I think Marcus Saul was a great pickup for the Lakers. Uh, he's definitely older now, but I think uh, like playoff times he could turn up his defense. Like when uh, he was on the Raptors, he played phenomenal defense against other teams' centers. Uh, again, I, I I wish we could have kept Javale and Dwight. I don't know if you guys uh, heard, but I th- the reason why they had to trade him was just because they're hard capped and they just needed like a little extra room under the hard cap in case they need to add like a um, a minimum player later on in the season. Because right now the Lakers only have 14. Yeah, I think they brought back Clint Cook because of that trade. Like they were able to bring him back. Yeah, yeah. Like a wave and stretch. Yeah. JaVale had like four point two million dollars on his contract and they waived Quinn Cook so that they could pay him like I wanna say like a million dollars or less, something like that. Just because like they waive him and then they stretched his salary and they re-signed him to a, a, a little lower number, I think. That's how it went. <laughs> how my friends and I joke about how Jared Dudley is still on the team. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's always a sight to see when I see Dudley running out and the game's over, you know? Yeah, dude, whenever he chooses three, he has a celebration move. Everyone does it. You know, you know the Lakers won if he's able to do that kind of thing. I totally believe him to be like the a, a really good locker room guy because mm. I was convinced when I heard him on the Bill Simmons podcast and he was just telling stories about the season and about the bubble. Uh, he seems like a really just like cool guy. And yeah. like super friendly, super approachable, and uh, you know, veteran presence. I, I I I feel like the the whole veteran locker room presence thing is pretty overdone. But I think in Jared Dudley's case, it's pretty true. I mean, if you went to the Clippers, they definitely would have won last year. That's what I was thinking. Like if they had the if they had something like Dudley in their locker room, they could have definitely make it to the Western yeah. Conference Finals. Yeah, but I think in the Clippers' case, it's more extreme because they have PG and Kawhi. And you see how, like, how tailored the Clippers were to Kawhi and how, you know, PG would say something in the locker room, just completely disagree with them. And they have a bunch of vets, too. They have, uh, what's his face? I don't even remember. I'm just, I'm blanked out. They have, they have a bunch of, you know, like, players that have been around the league for a long time on the Clippers, too. I think they're like none of them are focal like Dudley is like how welcoming Dudley is compared to the veterans they have on their team. Yeah, I would say they're less uh, welcoming, but like you know that like Patrick Beverly, like I, I there's no way Patrick Beverly did not say anything to 
you know, PG and Kawhi. You know, they have Lou Williams. Montrez, like, can be hot-headed. Like, I feel like he would say stuff. But if they didn't, then, you know, you could probably see why, like, they collapsed and blew a 3-1 lead. You guys know how um, when players get interviewed and the right, the correct thing to do is to, like, always talk up your teammates, right? Yeah, definitely. I think Dudley, like, understands that. And he does his he does that job, like, perfectly. And if you're a reporter, you're not going to expect like the younger players to be super talkative, but like veteran players like Dudley, who was like, he's almost going to be retiring. Right. But he's, he has like nothing left to lose. So he can just be like super open and super like um, vocal about the team and just be like the team spokesperson. Yeah. I think I remember a podcast where Jared Dudley was talking about how uh, LeBron would have, you know, these like, show of expressions of like you know disappointment and stuff for the the younger players and like yeah. Derek, uh Dudley talked to LeBron and he told him hey you can't you can't be showing these emotions to the players like they're young they're gonna make mistakes you have to show that you believe in them and they'll play better and uh after that talk those younger players uh definitely like improved their numbers and did better yep that was the Bill Simmons podcast like he said uh they all look up to him as like the greatest player ever or something like that and they, they don't want to let him down so if he doesn't have good body language like they're not going to feel good about themselves yeah it's not like what they were saying during that trade deadline around the 80 thing like the season we had like Brandon Ingram lots of law everyone's saying like oh yeah these guys look up to them but then he's like trying to trade them away I think it's like the same podcast right they're talking about that I think so yeah thank you guys for uh coming I'm hoping we can do keep doing the fantasy discussion every week, depending on availability from everyone. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, guys, and uh, glad we could keep doing fantasy. Yeah, thanks for yeah, having thanks, us. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. Yeah.